0: Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews, and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content, and on my right I'm joined by…
1: Sam Davis, group Content manager.
0: And on my left…
2: Junior editorial content producer, Ollie Johnson.
0: We're here at TCT 360 this week, we've got about an hour and a half until the show closes and um if you'd have heard the conversation just beforehand we're all having a big old yawn to get it <laughs> out of <out laughs> the way before we record this episode because we're very tired um after a week at the NEC but a very good week at the NEC too. Um as I say we've been here for TC three sixty and also the very first TCT UK Additive Manufacturing Users Group meeting. Um, so it's been pretty full on with um, the exhibition and conference and our award show, all that good stuff. Um, so we are looking forward to, to getting in a queue on the M6 on the way home. Uh, but we figured we would just round up a few of the things that we've seen this week from some of the companies, some companies that have never been to the show before. Um, some companies have got some new stuff to show for us. So there's a few things to run through. I'm um, gonna we'll talk a little bit about the awards and just some takeaways from the user day. But in general, guys, how are you feeling?
1: Sleeping. S- <laughs> point where I, when you do a week like this and you can I don't know how we do it in far from places with less sleep. Lord, <laughs> <laughs> am literally stifling big <laughs> yawns, i say that. Um, yeah, like, we've not changed time zones, we've driven like two and a half hours down the road and are am absolutely knackered.
0: Yeah, like I've, yeah. I've, I've spoke to people this week who've flown over from the US and I'm like, oh, God, I'm so tired and I forget they're like battling jet lag and stuff and they seem really happy and sprightly and we're just like trying to hide yawns under our arms.
1: Yeah, and although it's... we have had like back-to-back, like, full days late, late nights and socials yeah. so yeah. like 8am starts
2: um, and
0: then God those up our finishes yeah depending Depend on how sensible
2: you are or stayed up the late. latest I he did like, not to be a snitch but he did so how are you feeling Ollie um, I feel alright because stayed <laughs> up late but I was on Pepsi Okay. Um, about midnight so I'm not feeling too bad just, just tired not hungover.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we did have a good time last night though because last night was our uh, annual tct awards it was the fifth one and it's always a really great event but uh, i think as i said some of the cool things we had in the categories last night some very happy people taking on trophies as well so mm-hmm. that's always a really nice thing to be a part of but we're suffering for it today. To sleepiness mm-hmm. yeah because
1: <laughs> we have early like meetings before the show yeah um, and we had to park and check out and mm-hmm. all that as well
0: fun <laughs>
1: yeah, a lot of fun <laughs>
0: But onto the actual event then. So this is the first time that we've kicked off TC Three Hundred and Sixty Week with a different event. So we're always listening to what the industry wants. We're always talking to the community and finding out what can we do to really help with this. The mission that TC has of accelerating the adoption of additive manufacturing and something that has been talked about for a very long time now is the idea of bringing some kind of user group concept to the UK. And um, it's been talked about at the additive manufacturing users group in the US a lot. Um. Of course, in the UK, we thought it would take some kind of different shape. And for a long time, people have talked about what does that look like? Who should do it? And so a few months ago, we said, we'll do it. <laughs> Why not? Um, and it's come together very, very quickly. Um, over the last few weeks, we decided to a bit as just a one day event, day before the show here at the NEC, um, very dedicated topics about some of the challenges and key areas that actual users of additive manufacturing really care about. We took on ideas from a steering committee to work out which topics were most important. So it wasn't just, you know, what we think people should be talking about. We genuinely wanted that user import to decide. Um, and we had such a great bunch of people. This first one, it was, it was in white only. The idea was just to keep it to a very small group of just UK-based users of additive manufacturing. Um, and I've never sat in a room like that before where it was such a tailored group of people. It was really nice to have people just be very honest about where additive does work, where it doesn't, there were some very frank conversations and I think there was this like worry at the start because this was a British event <laughs> and we're all a bit rubbish about sticking our hand off have being the first person you know, on the dance floor that, um, that we wouldn't and there'd be a lot of awkward pauses but there actually wasn't which was great and it was all hosted by Todd Grimm who um, everyone will will know by now from has talked about him in various conferences and and his involvement with AMOG and things like that and I think Todd was the perfect host for this he's just got he's just got the energy hasn't he for something like that he can (laughs) he can really make sure that people will get involved he will he he said beforehand he was like yeah if I see anybody who's kind of not not trying to make eye contact with me, I will go over them and ask their ask their opinion. Luckily, I didn't really have to do that, um, but I think he was more than willing to drag conversation out of people, and um, that way. But it was it was a really good day. We had a lot of things to take away from it. I know that our team we're going to be putting together a bit of a report, and um, just on some of the findings from the event, not actual direct quotes from people, direct opinions, because it was very. We decided in order to keep the day very open, that we would have rules where, um you know, whatever was said in the room that day, you know, we were not going to attribute quotes or, or opinions or, or anything to companies or individuals. So it meant that people were much more willing to be open and honest about their work with the technology. So, you know, we're writing a report on some of the findings, but the idea is to put that out back into our industry to get further feedback and then make it better for the next time we do this, which I'm sure will be um, even bigger next time. But before we get into some of the key themes, I just want to get your general thoughts and how you think the user day went.
1: I messaged you at one point, during it that it's out a lot like KM
0: therapy. <laughs> you did, <laughs> um, and I said,
1: does make you feel?" Oh, <laughs> um, well, we're hilarious. We yeah. Are. and it, it did come past that, but it was um, it was good. I wasn't really concerned about the whole British shyness thing because we did a global perspective thing this time last year. And that was fine, actually, once mm. uh, once people, um, I think maybe we we kind of do ourselves a disservice. To... Maybe. The, the UK is a really, really opinionated population. And, um, I think especially when you're in an environment like that, where it's like-minded people, there's only, I don't know, I, can't, I don't know the exact number, but I remember maybe like 40 odd people. Mm. Um, and they all know what they're talking about. I just feel like, and they've got a lived experience of it. I wasn't really worried about that. I think maybe at the like very first thing, who's going to be the first to put their hand up, but as soon as one person does um, and brings out an opinion or an issue that they're having, um, or is just looking for somebody with a bit different expertise to them, then we know this from from coming into the industry with little experience with technology, Mm -hmm. how helpful people want to be. And I think, you know, we, we see that, and we hear a lot about it when we go over to the States Framework, and I think we saw that over here, right? There were people who had issues with certain processes, and people were trying to help with those solutions um, and offering their own thoughts on that. So I think it was a, a good, honest discourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a relative success. Um, obviously, we'll go in, tweak a few things, and try sure, to make it better, but mm-hmm. I, I think considering we, we probably started Actually organising it eight weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. It went about as well as it could have gone. <laughs> yeah. We've got loads out of it, I'm sure any everyone I've spoken to who's in the room seemed to get a lot of it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think um, it makes sense. And we'll get into some of the, the key talking points in a minute. Um that'll reinforce why it's a good idea, but yeah, I think it was well worth done.
0: What about you, Ollie? Because obviously you've you've not experienced AMUG yet. Did you feel mm. like it was different being in there compared to going to a conference? Yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah, I, I didn't really know what to expect, but the fact that people were being open and you know honest about the problems, you know, as well as the successes and how to solve people like giving advice and how to yeah you know how to solve people's problems and things like that. I found that really interesting because I've never really seen that before. You know, mm-hmm. it's still very new in the industry. Um, so that was really, really interesting to see because you don't really get that.
0: Oh yeah, much. it's really hard to peel those layers yeah. away, yeah. <laughs>
2: and just the the amount of knowledge in that room as well was, you know, very, very impressive and like like Sam said, everyone who I've spoken to who, who was there really enjoyed it, thought it was a great day and are also excited to see where it goes as well, which is... Thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you're right there about the knowledge too. I mean, one of the things we've we've done for this year's conference is we've 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 got around a thousand years of additive manufacturing knowledge and thinking about that room on was it tuesday Mm -hmm. like i'd love to have totted up the years of am knowledge in that room because as i say Mm -hmm. all end users plenty of people in there have been in the industry for like 30 years like we must have been way up there with that um so let's just talk about just some of the themes because as i said we're going to be writing a report on this with some of the key takeaways but we split the day up into some key topics so the first is repeatability then economics and then enterprise wide adoption and we finished with a wrap-up of just general takeaways and every now and again the conversation did kind of veer into different directions but I think if it had been any other kind of set it we'd have probably tried to veer it back in the direction that we set but in the, the day we set these categories because we worked with our advisory board to pick them but the whole point of the day is for it to be useful for the people that are sat there so if they wanted to talk about something else then that's the direction the conversation needed to go in. Um, so just some key takeaways from the very first one so repeatability, repeatability as I think we've we've learned can mean lots of different things and one of the points that that came across was a difference between repeatability and reproducibility in additive manufacturing and that can mean the difference of whether you've got a part that you need to produce you know 10,000 times on a production line or whether it's something that you just need it needs to work you need to get it out there a bit of a divide between what that actually meant depending on, on who you were in the room but I think that overall this idea of repeatability is an important one as we are talking about additive manufacturing for production and one of my favorite takeaways from it was and i want to ask you about this in a second sam but was this whole idea that for repeatability wouldn't actually go into get repeatability until we really start to scale additive manufacturing, and get those volume numbers, because the only way to get that is to keep doing it and to get the data and to work out where we're going wrong. And that's that's the only way you're ever going to get that, that true repeatability in additive. And we just don't quite have the volumes yet. And know there's there's some examples where we do have those kinds of volumes, but I think in general, probably not. And it's a point that I know that you, you've you you've tried to make this point several times in this podcast, but I know that you've had conversations about it this week, this whole idea of additive versus rapid prototyping and how we shouldn't really dismiss that. Go on.
1: Yeah, I've got several thoughts on that. One <laughs> is, so on the idea that you can't make the technology repeatable until you've done it in higher volumes. Three years ago, people were telling us that COVID was going to go a long way to solving that. And it's another thing that was said, and I don't know what, like whether anyone has a, learned anything from it or even applied those learning, because plenty of companies were using the technology for thousands and thousands of volumes with plenty of different processes. Mm-hmm. All of the companies that manufacture machines have access to that data. So if they didn't, then where are they going to? Yeah. Um, I know there was a point made about repeatability and standards as well, and I don't know how you... I know it was a whole chicken and egg thing, but I don't... How do you possibly go about making a standard for something if you've not made it repeatable yet? Yeah. Because you want to take it to these mass volumes, what's the point of developing a standard now then? Yeah. Kind of is one. But the main point (laughs) is that we talk a lot about killer applications for this technology, um, and we have hearing aids, um, there was somebody from the jewellery industry that um, was saying that he's happy with the technology and it worked. works, and people are like, yeah, could it, it makes sense for that application, um, but the biggest one is rapid prototyping, and it have has been, been a killer application for like 20, 30 years, and it will continue being, and I, I know, I, I appreciate the th- ambition in the industry. I think we all just forget that rapid prototyping is a thing Mm -hmm. and that everyone uses it for that and It doesn't really actually need to be a mass production technology. Yeah Um, Maybe it does for some people's business models, but for the end users it doesn't need to be Um, like There's probably a few applications out there that like I don't know maybe they can't be made in any way but like I feel like they're a very finite number of applications. Yeah. So I don't know, really. I think we just forget that rapid prototyping exists and we we just disregard it. And I include media in that. Yeah, because yeah. Because we never write
0: about it. Because we just think everybody knows and it's boring. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Which is probably true, but it still makes money.
0: But And I don't want to hop, hop around too much because I know we're going to talk about the conference later on, but there was a perfect example this morning in the um, McKinnon Saunders talk where... Yes, they are using added metal additive manufacturing to produce end use components. This is a company that, that um, they make puppetry. They did the puppetry for the Netflix Pinocchio film at the end of last year. Um, so they've used metal 3D printing for production and use parts, obviously not in massive high volumes, but they're teeny tiny parts. But it is the rapid prototyping that is why they were able to do what they've done because they started out using a service bureau and that was great because they had all these different capabilities with it, the, with the, using different service bureaus, but, you know, it was the fact that they didn't have to make these things by hand. They weren't just making, you know, clay models. They were, you know, able to mock up a design in CAD, quickly work something out that they were going to make in metal eventually, print it in plastic first, then, you know, get that deliver some in a few days, and then eventually bring in a a lower cost, uh, I think it was a Formlabs printer, in-house so that they could then prototype those designs in-house before they even thought about going back to a service provider and then printing a part in, you know, ultimately in metal. So, you know, even that, and I think part of that, I just presumed, well, yeah, of course they've got a, of course they must have been a little 3D printing house for years, and they just hadn't because it, you know, it hadn't made sense for them yet. I think I just completely dismissed that too, because I thought, yeah, well, of course people do that. But the, the effect that had on the, the, the development process was, you just couldn't deny it. So definitely something that we don't talk about. Enough, and we probably should do because it is a great attribute of the technology, and does kind of fall into something I want to talk about about the economic side. Ollie, unless you've got anything else to say about repeatability, I
2: think
0: you've covered it. On the the economic side, I think one of my key takeaways from that was this whole idea of so we've been talking to a lot of people recently about cost per part with additive manufacturing. And how um, in certain situations, it's it's just not cheap. <laughs> it's just, you know, you're not going to get, it's never going to work out cheaper than doing it in a conventional way. But there are other ways to get benefits of things like time savings and, you know, whether it's um, saving on lengthy logistics, all that kind of thing. And one of them was this whole, that, that whole idea of like cutting down production times and that it, whether the process was more expensive or not, the fact that you could then cut down those times made it cheaper in other ways make it more economical in other ways and so I think that um, as I say, a key takeaway for me was just learning about the benefits of additive for things other than just cost how you have to weigh that up it's not like this easy you know this plus this equals this it's like a maths equation that I would never be able to work out how to do and you need to put that in place to work out what the actual overall benefit is of using additive manufacturing that's the only way of working out the true mm. cost it's a cost comparison with a um previous process you've got an opinion Sam.
1: well i think i think users already know that Mm. i think users already understand that there's a there's a fiscal cost yeah and then there's the the speed and whatever else the the supply chain impact um the problem is is that i don't think the people who allocate budgets and capex consider that absolutely that's not what their like their job is to make money and save money, mm-hmm. at, like actual hard cash money. And so I think there needs to, maybe there needs to be like a yeah. procurement day, as a, well as a user day mm-hmm. um, and a supply chain day, um, because I've heard other people, so uh, expo- many OEMs who have to talk to um, people, users all the time and they're interested and then, the users then have to go and get the budget and they say we don't have the budget for another year and what does the OEM do about that? Because now they've you know, they've gone down the path, they've told them all about the machine, they've sold it to the user. Mm-hmm. Users not actually make the decision. And then now they've got to go and find another sale because they have to make money. Mm-hmm. And so it's how you communicate that to people in procurement and supply chain and finance and sea level I I think that is a really big challenge that I think everyone in that room on Tuesday probably is aware of it's just how you actually solve it and I, I don't have the answer to that.
0: I think th- honestly that's probably one of the more important highlights that came out of that day because yes we were there because we wanted to listen to end users but as you say everyone was hyper aware of this the fact that it's fine in this little bubble here where we're all very aware of additives benefits which is why it's good to have people pointing out as all you said before the problems of the technology because we are the people to point them out because we know you know what it's not good for what it is good for but it is about okay how do you communicate that to people outside of the room and i do think that's when you transfer to a day like this at TST 360 where you are getting people that maybe have never really looked at the technology before and can come and actually ask the questions of like, what is the trade-off? What can you actually use this for? Because you know, it's all for well, a bunch of users who know what they're doing have been sat in a room um, talking about additive, but that needs to get out further to that. And I think it is something that we've talked about more recently. As you just said, Sam, maybe there should be like a, a group for procurement or for supply chain, definitely in, you know, in, in those areas where you need to talk the right language in order to communicate, to those people about the benefits.
1: I just imagine, like, the, so if, if we take an event like this that we're at this week, um, where there's probably a bunch of users walking the floor and a bunch of salespeople on the stands. salespeople sell to the users, sell as sellers in sell the idea, and then it's basically like Chinese whispers. So oh yeah. Like if, any conversation I've had this week, I remember probably 3% of, mm-hmm. and I've, I'm now coming up for this podcast trying to remember what I've, what I've heard. And they're going to have to do that next week when they get back to the office to their higher ups. And I just wonder how much is lost in that change. Oh, yeah. By the time. So, this per, the basically, you, the, the OENs are relying on the engineers to be also really good, like salespeople as well, mm-hmm. to sell the machine to their decision makers. So, we know this week that some companies have brought. Up to two dozen people. Yeah. I imagine that's not two dozen engineers. That would be oh, a, yeah, yeah. Uh, a, you know, a selection of people from different departments there. Yeah. And, but then it's the, I guess it might even be the smaller organisations who they don't have 24 people to send because it's not 24 people. Yeah. Um, but they send their engineer and he's and got, and it's a an tighter budget and all those kind of things. So mm-hmm. it, it must be difficult. Um, I don't even know what we said to even start down.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll just, we'll move on to the last bit because I don't want to spend the whole thing talking about the user day because you'll have to download the report afterwards. (laughs) Um, But the the final section that we talked about before we did our wrap-up was the enterprise-wide adoption. So the idea of, so you've installed a 3D printer into your business, that's great. What do you do next? How do you, I suppose similar to what you were just saying, like how do you communicate that to other sections of your business once you've found an application how do you um, spread the value of it i think something that an advisor said was important was this whole idea of making sure you've got an additive champion in your business because Mm -hmm. if you don't then um you know you're just not gonna you're not really get anywhere with it but then not only that you can't just have an additive champion for the whole business you've got to have champions for certain sections of the business so you know it's it's fine to have somebody in in a department who loves it, but then you need someone in the next department who's actually going to try and find applications. I think that's true of a lot of things. You know, you you do need champions to show where where things work and really follow something through. But what was interesting about this section was that I think this is the the conversation that veered the most outside of the direction that we that we intended for it to go in, which again Mm -hmm. was absolutely fine because the whole idea was to have the conversation that people wanted to have and it veered more towards education. Um, I think that's still relevant to enterprise-wide adoption because it's not, while we did talk about things like education in schools and how early you introduce people to, to additive, we did talk about how do you then educate within business to the benefits of additive manufacturing and how some companies that they'll host their own in-house training programs will have online resources that they've built to show people how to use additive. But it was just interesting to hear how important education was. I think it is in terms of teaching other parts of your business, like what the benefits of additive manufacturing are. But I just don't think I expect it to be such a big topic that day.
1: I think what, I don't know how anyone goes about doing it, but one of the ideas that came from it, I th- or at least what I interpreted as one of the ideas was having users help users and the idea of people being willing to spend two or th- just two or three days a year to do that and there must be a way of having a some kind of channel whereby literally use of an aerospace company for example is showing a medical company the ropes in terms of how to apply additive. so you're not, you're not educating a competitor but you're educating someone in a different completely different industry that will never be a competitor yeah but you can almost like knowledge transfer and i I don't know whether that can be a thing, but if it could, that would be good.
0: I I know it's something that we want to try and facilitate with this additive manufacturing network that that we've built. Hopefully a place where people can find a group to go and share that information because that was the other main thing from this. People were very willing to share in that room that day, but then, you know, there was the awkward question asked of like, okay, that's nice that you've all got this, but would you be willing to actually... Put this online and share this information with your competitors and not a lot of people put their hands up and that's the business's fault you know a lot of the time because they don't want to share exactly. their ideas and i don't know how you change that really because that's just how a lot of business works but you know that there's definitely elements of that and i think one of the suggestions was this, this idea of which is something that i know that we want to do more of and um, just you know from a content perspective is more more success and failure stories of additive manufacturing showing what people have tried beforehand but then not just showing what the application is but the whole how and why um, and I do think that is very important because it was useful to hear examples of how people have tried things and it's just not worked because you know we, we, we absolutely know in that room that it's not a cure-all for, for everything you do have to to pick where it, where it makes the most sense so yeah I think we're working on some kind of Way of facilitating um, mm. that education. Um, it just, I think, it just takes time to build the resources for it.
1: Quickly, mm-hmm. a couple of things I wanted to mention, which was specifically, I think, like kind of holding the UK to account because obviously, all the predominantly people in the room were, were from the UK and um, mm-hmm. working in the UK. Um, one of them, yeah. I, I think, it was targeted more at like the technology development as opposed to the use of it, but. Made the good point of what is the UK's unique playing additive, and I think we have a really good, um, like group of researchers mm-hmm. and a lot of PhD work going on, a lot of work in universities going on. But, in, like, in terms of you know, maybe like Germany, for example, you would associate maybe with Mel AM, um, and historically, America, loads of legacy in, in, on the polling side. Um, and it doesn't really do any one thing, thing. amazingly. Mm-hmm. It does a lot, it does like, there's a wide, you know, it's kind of like a spread thinly across everything. But I think that was a good point. The UK doesn't, isn't really coming with a, you know, a load of expertise in one specific area. And the ever was um, that was made, it was made on the day and it was made again on the Wednesday when there was a panel session on the main stage which kind of um, took some of the takeaways and and again kind of brought that discussion onto the the show floor for a a much briefer period than than the entire day that we had on Tuesday but it was that the UK government's government's not going to help you. Um, It's shown that it's not going to help you not just this iteration of the government but for decades Mm -hmm. now the government just hasn't given any care to manufacturing in it and it barely invests and it's really stupid quite objectively stupid i would say Mm -hmm. um to allow what was a really good manufacturing country to become one that just isn't really Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things um but the point there is that you're all going to have to help each other because you're not getting it from anywhere else um so um and and there were a few people in the room actually who had contributed to the the national strategy yeah yeah and there was an agreement that there was loads of good stuff in there but equally it was an absolute waste of time yeah. because nothing happened. And I think the result of that is that the only way to really push on in this country is for users to do what they were doing on Tuesday and get in room and talk to each other. And what I would say is we only know the half of what was said on Tuesday because after every session there was a networking session yeah. that we didn't go around with a recorder following yeah. people, they weren't mic'd up. So, um, you know, I, I was speaking to one of the people in the room afterwards at the Evening Social and he was making the point that there were plenty of good conversations happening kind of at the back with a coffee in their hand, um, or later with a drink in their hand. Um, that Obviously we have, have no idea what was being said, but I'm sure, sure. that was helpful too. So.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. That was probably the the best bit because while we were all sat there quite nervously hoping that everyone said that they were gonna come actually turned up. I think the next part was like, Okay, well, are people are gonna put their hands up. Yes they did. And then the next part was, Okay, well when when it's not the scheduled Programming are people actually going to get up and go to the back and go to where we set up all the tables so they can all do the handshaking and networking? Nobody, nobody stayed sat down at the main tables. Every single person was up there talking to somebody, and I just thought that was yeah, so so refreshing to see. And without
1: any encouragement as well,
0: it wasn't like not top at all. Didn't, yeah. didn't encourage them to do it. We didn't say. Anything. Yeah,
1: um, we were just sat in the middle on our laptops, looking up. and going, we, we were
2: just." Yeah. I liked how most of the people who were there during the day stayed for like the evening mm-hmm. social as well because we were a bit unsure because yeah. there was a bit of a gap and they had to walk over, you know, about five ten minutes to a different venue. But all those conversations carried on late into the night. Oh well. yeah, yeah. It was a full yeah. day basically. Definitely. Um, yeah, that, that I found that quite nice. <laughs>
0: So on to the actual show then gosh we've been doing this for half an hour already we've not even gotten to day <laughs> <Not show>. one <laughs> so we'll try it we'll try and blast through these because um well honestly because we would like to not end up in traffic by the yeah. time this show uh, starts breaking down um so we've been here for two days of TST 360 and this year we've been running alongside our medtech event which has been really good because a lot of nice crossover um overall i think this has been a great event and i know that. I'm gonna sit here and say that because we sit here with the the logo on, on our stuff, but um, genuinely I've had so much good feedback this week from people that this is the first time they've exhibited at our event and they are already excited to come back next year. Um, I've spoken to you know people that have just been overwhelmed by the kinds of companies that have come over to derbies and Sam as you mentioned before you know we can see the people that have come through the kinds of companies the companies that have sent you know staff in like double figures to just to, to, to walk the floor and um it I, I feel like there has been a, a proper buzz this mm. week it's nice
1: when you go up to somebody on a stand and they they repeat the Names of the companies that you know are here, yeah, and they've like, Oh, they've been to our stand. It's like, Well, good, they've like, yeah. not just registered, their We track. told you, yeah, <laughs> um, there's like second hand evidence of them being yeah. in the room, so that's encouraging. There have been a buzz, and I think it was mentioned this morning when we had our I meeting, it felt a bit more like a pre COVID show, mm-hmm. um, than a post COVID one, which, um, is good, and yeah, nice to see some big companies come here for the first time, um, and enjoy it, and some. Still, yeah. despite all the stuff that's been going on recently, still some young companies Absolutely. with new technologies coming through as
0: well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So should we maybe like run through some of the newer stuff that, that we've seen this week? Because I know that we've had um, a new company this week who've launched a machine. Um, Sam, do you want to tell us a little bit about them?
1: Yeah, so uh, a company called Defiant 3D, who are based out of Aberdeen. Um, They've launched um, a new machine based on a patent-pending technology um, which is called Cold Depositing Sinter and they, it's a a company set up by um, a guy called Gary Cairns and he heads up um, a polymer 3D printing service bureau called Plaster Print 3D Um, and so they've been, I can't remember how long he said, but maybe like up to 10 years they've been running that business and about halfway through that kind of lifespan, um, they wanted to expand into metal, and they just couldn't justify the cost of it. But it's always been of interest to them. And so he was telling me that he five years ago he had a sh- thought in the shower about how a metal process could work, and he's been developing it ever since. And um, they've launched it this week. Um, so they launched a the Defy two hundred system um, with deliveries hopefully scheduled for, for Q on 2024, get a pre-order offer this week. Um, oh, nice. So you can, I think mean, the machine's going to cost £40,000, like regardless, but you can put a deposit down and get to the front of the queue um, this week with shipments coming um in about six months, six to nine months. Um, and the way the technology works is there's a 200 by 200 by 200 millimetre furnace, um, with printhead technology depositing two powders into that volume. The first powder um, is the build material, so currently that's only 316L stainless steel. Um, and then the second is a support powder, which has a high melting point. Um, and so as the print head moves across the xy axis, tool head deposits both powders into the furnace, um, and then the z axis generally gradually moves downwards. Um, and then once the volume of, of the furnace is filled with powder, the lid comes down, seals the, the, the furnace and then thermal elements inside the lid, heat furnace up to the sintering temperature of the, the melt build powder. The support powder, because it's got a high melting point, doesn't melt, so it's just powder at the end of it, um, which is supposedly quite easy to remove. Um, and then after that, you put the, the part, the actual built part through whatever, post right. some step, sandblaster machine, whatever. Um, so yeah, they basically launched it this week and then moving forward, it's quite, a, it's a different technology time. to what I've ever seen, it's, um, it's quite a small platform as well, um, it's not, you know, you could probably fit it through a doorway, mm-hmm. I, would, I would imagine. Um, and they going forward, they, they're kind of going to explore tool steels, canal and titanium materials. And then there's also scope to process copper, brass, aluminium, and precious metals as well. Okay. Um, and so oh, I was asking him, um, well, how would you scale this up? Um, and they can, he reckons they can scale it up, but he was a bit more interested in scaling it down. Um, and making it cheaper, maybe using a cooler temperature with some of those other materials. So I think precious metals or something they want to they look into. Oh, um, interesting. But yeah, I the, the think what they would probably do first is to make it a smaller format, smaller dull volume, um, lower temperature materials. Then um, he had a few people, I think he's got a few friends who start their businesses and they're asking him why he's selling it at such a low um, price point. And his response is basically, I could probably sell it for five times as much, but that would go against the point of why it was designed mm-hmm. and developed. That was because for companies like his, a lot of the technologies out there just aren't affordable. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that was launched this week. And that was a company that had had some of the bigger names of the, the visitors come by his stand. So um, yeah, they seemed interested in it. Um, at least, uh, you know, from a distance, yeah. doesn't mean good, they're going to buy it, but um, yeah, they had a good week um, and it was, uh, yeah, interesting technology.
0: Nice to have a, a UK-based company as well doing a, a UK launch.
1: He's from Aberdeen, so he's got a 10 hour drive tonight. Oh. Wow. Wow. Wow, in some context. Okay,
0: so we can all stop moaning then, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Wally? I know you've been dusting Heather and everywhere mm. Looking for more freebies (laughs) and not really found any. I've not Um, got a lot,
2: (laughs) Um, I've got quite a few from Prusa. They are some good ones. They're they're, they're the the top company in terms of freebies. (laughs) Yeah,
0: in your ranking system. Yeah. (laughs) So tell us about some of the people you've been to see this week.
2: Okay, so uh, a company who I've met for the first time this week, who actually celebrated their one year anniversary of existing Mm -hmm. yesterday. Um, was Construct3D, it's a UK based uh, small family run company and I, I just I fell in love with like, the story of how it started basically, it's really it's a really nice story of um, Jacob I think it's Jacob Lord is his name uh, his mum bought him a 3D printer, for, like I think it was his 18th birthday and he, this, this kid's like, he's a genius basically, <laughs> he wasn't happy with how it worked, it was too slow for him so he took it apart and He basically built his own printer that was faster, and started printing stuff like during the COVID pandemic. And he's printing these things like really, really fast, like three, four, five times faster than other printers that he just built in his bedroom. And then they thought, "Why don't we actually start selling these?" So they made the company Construct Three D, and they, you know, they've had a successful show. You know, they've had so much interest in their machines, and just to. Give some statistics on how fast Go on. the printers actually are, and um, 320 millimeters per second, which okay. is, is... You know, yeah. very fast. <laughs> um, something I, I really liked seeing was um, they had this. This is bringing some of my outside 3D printing nerdiness into it. <laughs> they had a few Star Wars themed okay. builds on the stand, and. Jacob said I was the only person who recognised a Jedi Temple Guard <laughs> mask. Uh, it was full size, lots of very, very fine detail, and it was printed in like seven hours. Yeah. words meant nothing to me. As said,
0: <laughs> did, did you know you were sat the coolest person? So <laughs> like to Can
2: I um, Another feature as well, I thought this was just um, a design aspect of the print, that the sides look like they're made of wood. They're actually made of bamboo. That's not just for looks. Um, it's a functional choice as a fibre and um, absorbs the vibration. Okay, some before it can affect the print. and um, so the print the print list remains really, really stable and then that combined with like the specific type of nozzle that he uses um, contributes to the speed of it and the high quality in the detail. I thought you were gonna say that was a
1: sustainability choice and I was gonna tell you that I have a Bamboo
0: toothbrush with me, <laughs> <laughs> Oh look at Sam, saving but, uh, the planet on his own.
1: The website says sustainable by nature, so I love yeah. 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 <laughs> I can be a trans too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> He'd like my Death Star cufflinks at okay. Okay. <laughs> so, that, that was really fun chatting to them, and the fact that it's a family run business as well and it's, it's UK based. Mm-hmm. And, I'm excited to see where they go in the future. yeah. yeah. They have a lot of interest. even it nice fucking printer
0: is. So. It it yeah. really you would actually want that in your yeah. workshop, yeah. If, well, I'd want it in
1: your
2: home.
0: It, yeah, true. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that cool, I and Yes. Yeah, so
2: I'm, I'm looking forward to see where they go in the future. Cause obviously, they've not existed for very long mm-hmm. and um, the the brains behind it and just how uh, how enthusiastic you know everyone is um, I think they're gonna go places.
0: So they they launched their printer at T C T last year, didn't yeah, they? Yeah they
2: that the, the whole company basically launched yeah, as well at T C
0: T. It's really cool. Another aspect
2: as well that Jacob was telling me about is he said it's hardware and software agnostic. Okay. So if you want to say take a certain part out, mm. put something else in to fit your application better, that's completely fine, you can do that. Um so he's very you know, he's aware of up the needs of the actual users as mm-hmm. well. Which is, you know, these. He's I, I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's about the same age as me. So mm. someone to be so young and to be so aware of yeah. exactly what the industry needs—that's that's really good. Yeah. yeah, I
0: think that's the difference, isn't it? When it's come from someone who has been that tinkerer beforehand and mm-hmm. and and been frustrated by a printer and wanted to fix it themselves. I think. That gives you a different mindset for okay. Well, I'm not going to restrict people either. I'm going to let them do what they actually need to do with it, depending on their mm-hmm. application. So, that's really cool. You be not
1: to not resent somebody's. The same I
0: was going to say <laughs> me and <laughs> the, me and Sam are sat like God, we've achieved nothing. Even
2: yeah. Fowler fancies me. Yeah.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> a better person than me. Is more. <laughs> yeah, the the final uh, piece of information about um their printer is they supplied the CAD files for the different parts of their printer. So if something breaks someone could just like make a punch
0: cool and then for me i went to visit another uk company this was not done on purpose it just so happens that these are the three companies that that we we kind of gravitated towards today and 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 had something new to show but um one 3d or another company that launched something at last year's show so they They officially launched the huge um, wire arc additive manufacturing system at TC 360 and they won the hardware non polymer award last year. I think that's the one. Um, So they've got the the trophy on on their stand this year, which is really nice. Um, So, yeah, so having launched that big machine, they've launched some software to go with it this time. It's the second version of the software that they launched last year. It's the WAM control software. It's just had all these different um, upgrades just to really um, make it into a controllable production process so basically the operators can control all these different things, handle data storage, quality logs, um, interactive data navigation. There's a touch screen on it now so it's easier to use. Basically just kind of giving you this compliance in a really repeatable way. There's plenty of different little add-ons you can do with it so you can um, initiate um, automatic cycles for shielding atmosphere establishment maintenance all those kind of things that we probably don't think about but as a company that has okay only existed for a short while in terms of technology but and the technologies they've been working with I guess for quite some time that they've obviously learned and realized they need all this stuff to go with it. Um, the software has been in development since 2015. And it's been supported by funding from Innovate UK as part of um, this HP um, WAM project. I'll just run, uh, run you through some some of the, the, the key features. So um, it includes process monitoring for voltage, current wire feed speed, travel speed, wire position, layer height, pre- and post-deposition of temperatures, oxygen, gas flow, melt pool, all those kinds of things, and users can um, log all of the key process parameter data, keep it on the database so that they've got it all for, for next time. It um, includes real-time rendering as 3D maps of logged data um, onto an actual toolpath, um, all these different Industry 4.0 enabled add-ons as well basically all the kind of things that really make it a more repeatable, as we've been talking about repeatability today, repeatable and reliable process. Um, so just a little bit about, about a WAM 3D. These are another company, as I say, the technology's been around for, for some time. It came out of Cranfield University here in the UK. They've got a really cool team. I think they're a team of about 32 people now. They're hiring a bunch more at the moment, so they're they continuing to grow. They launched this technology last year, and while, while we've seen... Um, you know, we've seen a few different types of one processes come um, come onto the marketplace. I feel like this is one of the um, few we've seen that's really commercialised in this sort of way. Um, it's also a really nice looking machine too. In fact, I sat in on a talk today by Mike Curtis Ram. Rouse, who is with the Satellite application, Applications Catapult. That's it, um, and he was talking about um, low Earth orbit and different ways of manufacturing for that. One of them being additive manufacturing, and of all the machines for him to pinpoint, that was one of the ones that he pinpointed for this because uh, you know this machine is is really um, being geared towards this kind of industrial, aerospace, defense sort of applications. So, um, it, he made a comment about how it looks like a machine that Apple would come out with, and I I, I would struggle to I would struggle to to disagree with that. Um, but, but, you know, they're, they're an interesting team to speak to. And since last year, you know, they, they've already sold two of those machines. They don't just sell the full machine either. They sell like the, the end effectors that they build. They sell them and the software side and all the stuff that goes with it. And they've sold a bunch more of those as well. So they're doing really, really well. They're really getting a, a, attention for this technology. So I'm interested to see how that progresses now. And I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll see plenty more of them um, over the next year and hopefully again at TCC 360 um, in 2024. Oh, that feels horrible 2024, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> that's like
1: coughing <halfway> through the dust.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's 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 pretty disgusting. Uh <laughs>
2: Mike as well has maybe the coolest job title I've ever Go on. Isn't director of Beyond Air? Beyond oh, Earth. Yeah, yeah, so cool. <laughs> he- though, oh yeah, yeah, it is. It is. You to live up to those?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I really enjoyed that presentation today I thought it was great. Should we talk a little about the conference actually while we're here now? Because I know that we've chatted for, for a long time already. And for listeners, each of these stories will be in full on the TCC website and also on our newsletter this weekend to so be able to read um, more about it because we are just kind of blasting um, our way through them. So the conference um, has been across four stages over the last two days at TCC 360, Um i think it's been great of course i'm going to sit here and say that because it's built by our content team um but it it genuinely has been a really impressive conference the variety of topics that we've covered I mean, just thinking about that thats a morning session that we've, we've mentioned already, where it started with McKinnon and Saunders, who are, you know, are an animation, they do puppetry and animation. And then straight after that, you had uh, Mike um, from um, the uh, Satellite Applications Catapult. I mean, just the variety of that in just a, an hour and a half. Um, it's been a really exciting few days, really informative few days. We've had panel sessions. We've had some good doses of reality from people, kind of debunking some of the myths around Additive manufacturing's claims. What were some of your highlights from the conference?
1: And um, mine was a very specific takeaway from um, Phil Reeves' keynote on sustainability, um, which was full of like um, you know data, and he's done a lot of work to pull all that pull all that together, and he used um, different examples of, of parts and processes to to kind of compare the. Sustainability in inverted commas of AM compared to casting or CMC or, or whatever else, um, but one of his points was that um, perhaps too much is made of localised manufacturing as a sustainable way of producing things, and so he he got this table of a load of different countries, maybe like ten different countries, and there. Um, kind of the, the energy that they use in, mm-hmm. in those nations and, and whether they're renewable or whether they're nuclear, um, and a percentage of them. So like Norway's got really great renewable energy, like 90 plus percent, um, and India doesn't. And so the point was, you can't just put a factory in India, manufacture it in India, and you know distribute it within India and mm-hmm. say it's sustainable when you could probably manufacture it in Norway. Distribute it to Mm -hmm. India, and because Norway's energy is so good, it might be more sustainable to do it that way. So there's a perception that localized manufacturing is just great for the environment, when it might not be. Because so much, and it makes more sense in the context of his presentation, because he
0: made the point that
1: so much energy is used in some of these processes, some of these additive processes, that if you're if you're in a country that you know isn't that or hasn't been that bothered about, it's renewable energy, um, then it, it might not be a good thing mm-hmm. to actually produce parts there, even if you're only shipping it down the road because of the energy that's gone into it um, um, and the impact that's had on the environment. And again, he broke down like how much um, how much it costs the environment to just put your kettle on in the morning to make your coffee. Um, and so he'd done this massive breakdown and made the point that you can't just put a factory somewhere and say it's sustainable when it might not be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and another point he made was that you want like it can be sustainable and that's fine, but it still also needs to make economic sense. And you still have to consider all of the other factors, which I think is important. We can't just go down this road of of making sure something's sustainable, but it actually has to make sense. That like you can have a really sustainable product, but if it costs too much, no one's going to buy it. Mm-hmm. And then what it, like it's not going to have the impact you want it to have. So, um, I'm sure we've recorded that presentation.
0: Absolutely. I'm sure
1: we will do something with that. Yeah. Because it was an awful lot of information that, having slept, I am <laughs> never going to remember. But that <laughs> one stuck out, and I thought that was an interesting point that I hadn't seen made until I also sat in uh, Sherry Monroe's presentation from the MGTA, and she made a similar point. Um, but yeah, that was, that was my highlight, I think.
0: I think just on that because I know sustainability is such a a touchy subject for people you know some people really just feel generally quite positive about it and granted I've been around to a few stands today and it is something people try and say is a selling point but when you actually get down to it you know if you ask those actual questions I don't know how sustainable the thing that they're talking about would actually be but I think what I like about that is you've just said about both those presentations they've both made very similar points quite pragmatic about it and also I'm Sam I remember you saying just like the people that were waiting to ask questions afterwards as well. For to, I think it was Sherry. You said oh, had a bit yeah. of it, you know, a queue waiting to speak to her. People genuinely want to know more about this because I think people do want it to work. I
1: don't think any of the any of the sustainability claims in the industry are like I, th- I think it's coming from a positive outlook. Yeah, perhaps maybe too positive at times, mm-hmm. and it's probably not um, taken in the whole picture. But there is an interest, and I think part of that is. well well, most of it probably because there has to be an interest like Mm -hmm. uh, it's getting to a point where you can't really ignore it and Mm -hmm. certainly depending on what industry you're in but there's going to be manufacturers who have targets on their heads Mm -hmm. in terms of um, the emissions they're putting out into the world and so that trickles down to the engineers and Mm -hmm. they've got to think about what they're doing we come full circle back to the you know go through that process but all of the people in an organization have to be thinking about it and so it it's going to fall on the OEMs so well it's fallen on the wall, really the OEMs can do that a bit mm-hmm. but at, well actually the manufacturer probably has to do more to yeah because they're in control of the entire supply chain so the OEMs can only do so much mm-hmm. but the more I think in Sherry's presentation there were there were life cycle um, assessments mm-hmm. and obviously we're going to need more of those um but yeah I think having those discussions this week helps put it all into context a bit because um, it's obviously a massive issue. It's mm-hmm. a massive issue, a because you know the world's on fire. That b because all of these companies have to figure it out, mm-hmm. um, and I think the only way they're going to do that is by talking to each other and. And,
0: and probably working together. Yeah. When I was speaking to the team at, at WAM3D before as well, that was something they were talking about and they're going to give us some more information on it soon, but that they're carrying out stuff like that now where they're doing you know, doing papers and putting a lot of stock into the environmental benefits of this WAM technology. So you, you are right. I think companies, they, they are being positive about it, but we are getting to see a lot more data behind that now because we kind of have to if we're going to do anything about it. Yeah. What about you, Ali? I know I spoke to you already this week about some of the ones you've sat in. I know you really enjoy JCB and people, so go on. What presentations have you enjoyed the most? Uh,
2: JCB was really good because, yeah, you know, obviously I've only been here for like a year. So I haven't seen them yet. I didn't know how much they used additive. I was really interested to hear how they were using it. And he he, he spoke about um, the world's fastest tractor or something that they've created. (laughs) And the 3D printed parts on that, I think I might have to chat to him about that.
0: You want to ever go on the track (laughs) then? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. when they
2: start deploying those in North (laughs) Wales. Yes. Um, (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of 3D printed parts on that. And he tried about how they've started gradually using it for production as well. But what I liked is how honest he was about where it's not working for him. Mm -hmm. And where him needs to improve, um, not just for him, but for... Other similar applications. It was Toby Brown, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, and I thought that was really interesting. Just the honesty of where it's not working, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think maybe could there be more of that? Definitely. I think so.
1: That was one of the things that came up in the user group is that people need to call these things out. Yeah. And, I, and it's funny because when when um, one of the things that was mentioned when they did the panel session on Wednesday morning, um, oh. which was like a recap. Of, of what was going on news on. today. One of the people from the audience um, who chimed in was, he basically, basically called that procrastination in artist manufacturing and not and enough is not enough is being called out and then not enough is being done to actually fill the gaps where the issues are. So I so think, yeah, definitely more mm-hmm. can be done. And mm-hmm. more of just that kind of input from people that's just really honest and to definitely. the point and doesn't eat your own I think would be helpful. <laughs>
0: So, I know we've been talking for at least an hour now, and um, people are definitely starting to come in now oh, to yeah, finish okay. the day. So, I think we should just maybe do a quick roundup of the awards as well before we leave, unless anyone has got any other bits they want to add about the show days. Um, but we will be putting out loads of content on this over the next few weeks. So we had the TC awards last night. It was great fun. It always is. We all got to get dressed up, which is very nice, um, and give out some trophies to people. Um, and as I said at the start, we had some really like happy people that were seemed to be genuinely shocked that they, you know, that they won. That was really cool. Um, I know you guys had some good winners, like on on, on your table. Mm-hmm. Um, like Ollie had a pretty cool uh, winner sat on his table. Yes. Um, so
2: no mate, he's a former basketball player. He played basketball a, a lot in his youth and unfortunately got um, an injury which meant he couldn't do that anymore. So he uh, went and got a PhD in mechanical engineering. Um, As
0: you do. I, I
2: skipped a few steps back. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was sat next to Dave Burns uh, who, who told me about his story because uh, he said even though he got a PhD in mechanical engineering he uh, turned up to the wrong place for the awards. So it was a bit late. <laughs> <laughs> It fortunately, he came in time to receive his award, uh, yeah. which was for... He had uh,
0: my favourite shirt and bow tie combination, yeah. I wouldn't say that.
2: <laughs> he looked very smart.
0: <laughs> yeah. He had a red and black. Very cool.
2: So his company, Kyfen Innovations, won the Aerospace and Defence Application Award for the I-Damp Suppressor, which was in partnership with the US uh, Air Force, who he has also worked mm-hmm. for before. And he's um, really interested in hearing how his company started, because... Last year's TCT Awards, Dave Burns was sat next to him and Inomei was uh, unsure about starting his own company and Dave said to him, just go for it. And he did. The company I think officially began in November last year and eight months later created this like, application with US Air Force, okay. he's won a highly prestigious TCT award, <laughs> And um, I thought that was really nice. That's cool yeah and seeing how um, proud he was as well uh, like sat, you know because he was sat like two spaces away from me seeing how proud he was of <laughs> being awarded with that and i've noticed on his LinkedIn he's been his work in 3d has been awarded as well multiple times so yeah,
0: cool i like him <laughs> <laughs> and sam you had a nice table of winners as well in yours I did. it's almost I think... like we set either of us <laughs> well i
1: think they they kind of clocked it uh, I mean, it's worth saying they've won an Oscar like, in the last two yeah, months, yeah. so they probably weren't that surprising.
0: It's not the prize you want, though, is it? It's not, no. Really? It's half I'd Oscar. say an Oscar. Me too. Give um, me one of those glass TCT 2 awards. Yeah, did, you, did you pick one up? They, you could murder somebody you with that. Could. Very easily. Yeah. There'd be an EastEnders murder with that <laughs> kind of trophy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, 100%. Well, somebody you want was murdered in EastEnders with a photo frame, so...
0: And an ashtray. And an ashtray. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Anyway... Completely um, off topic. Okay, <laughs> I think yeah. that was a tangent. And
1: not unexpected one. Um, But yeah, it was the team behind uh, the Pinocchio puppet. So it was um, a couple from McKinnon and Staunders, and then four from LPE, um, which mm. is a Service Bureau out of Belfast. Um, and yeah, they were questioning me why was it, you know, was it coincidence that I was sat on the same table as i am given I interviewed them a few months ago. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't know what to say because I obviously didn't want really to give it away the one, but they were the only ones that I could remember that had one. Um, but yeah, it was really good, and it's a really great project. I've just sat in a session this morning mm-hmm. that um, I'm hoping we can do something with that recording because there was so much detail. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you factor in that I spent more than twice not of that amount of time with Richard Pickersgill in January, um, you'll understand how hard it was to get
0: that story
1: into 1,600 words. <laughs>
0: yeah. Which is 400
1: words above the word count, anyway. Um,
0: Sorry, Matt, I'm a designer.
1: Yeah, if design. Matt, <laughs> Matt was sat in that session, with our designer, he would understand the struggle, um, writing that article. Um, but it's um, yeah, an amazing project that I think he said the first time that Graham del Toro got in touch with them was 2005. Yeah. Um, and it's a thirty year old company, so it's basically half of their existence. Crazy um, has, has been working on this just in some capacity. It's, it's paused along the way because they couldn't find funding for the film and, and whatever else, but the work that went into it, um, from prototyping and the back and forth once and people came mm-hmm. to be involved in the project and would have such high standards that they weren't happy with the with the puppets and it pushed mechanism like, soldiers to improve it. Um, It's really interesting and just, it was really nice to see, I know Richard was dreading it because he's not a public speaker, but nice to see such a full audience and nice again to see people queuing up afterwards to ask questions about it because it's a really interesting application Um, and we talk about this kind of thing all the time but with an application like that everyone can relate to it because Mm -hmm. everyone likes to watch movies. Um, Except me, um, yeah.
0: Except Sam, so. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, a worthy winner, and that was a really strong category as well. Um, so I know they won an Oscar and all of the other awards, but they've done well to win that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was a really hard category that, and we had like you know Wakanda props in there, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and
2: there's Julia Cole stuff in there.
0: Yeah, and, um, amazing.
2: And Sam also had the best awards acceptance speech. He did <laughs> a rousing speech.
0: Yes. Uh, Sam you know said one sentence and just everyone else forgot about everyone else's lovely heartfelt speeches all the lovely winners Sam just came and took it off everybody <laughs> great <laughs> on my table I, I so I sat next to um one of the form labs team members and um I don't think I just don't think they ever expected, expected to win so they were up for the um the hardware award for um uh, for polymers and um I, I don't, I don't know why that they didn't expect to win. I don't know. It's because it wasn't necessarily like an actual, and they can do 3D printing. So they won it for their automation system, um, which uses the, the Form 3 systems, but it means that you can stack them, have the system of automation, so you can really just scale up 3D printing. Um, so yeah, so I, I don't think they expected it to win. And I was just, I was sat there and I, you know, I, I kind of I had an inkling I couldn't quite remember because we were sat in the judging process, mm-hmm. but it was a very long time ago yeah. now. um. And see, so, yeah, I was I, I, when the, eventually the name got called out. It was just sat, like, oh, great, great we won. I, was like, I think you have to go and collect your award. Like, no, <laughs> I don't think I do. I'm pretty sure you do. So it was a bit of a gap before farm mobs went to pick up their award. But uh, but yes, they they seem very very happy uh, with winning that. And it is um, it, it's a cool it's a cool technology. I've been having a another look at it today on the show floor. They've got it on the the um, solid print stand um, with some other really cool stuff actually, which I, I do want to write up. They've got some really interesting uh, post processing. Technology. It's not just for form um, of SLS technology, but that is kind of what it's geared towards. Um, but it's like a three-in-one um, post-processing dye-in system. Um, it, it, it's really cool. Um, anyway, sidebar. Uh, but it, it's been nice to see that technology on the show floor here today. And then I was also lucky enough to have one of the Hall of Famers on my table too. So um, unfortunately, I didn't get to see um, Diana Kalisha's um, speech But um, we did get to see her Innovators Showcase talk at AMUG Mm -hmm. this year. So that was really cool. So I'm glad I got to see that at least. But um, very well deserved. Uh, Diana, one of our Hall of Fame inductees. I think it's about time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so do a lot of people. (laughs) She's great. It's so amazing when you hear from people that say how much of an influence she has had on their career because she's been in the industry that long. And she's one of those people that's so willing to help others. Um, and then on my table, so um, I was, like I say, very very lucky to be sat with um, another one of the Hall of Famers, and um, I'd, I'd spoke to him earlier on in the day. So um, Jean Pierre Crew. What a lovely fella. What a, you know, he was so happy to be here. He's had an amazing career. I know our CEO, Duncan, did an intro for him and read out some of the, the you know, the amazing things that he's done. But um, j- just for, for our listeners here, so he's been a researcher for, for over three decades now. He um, helped her to co-found Materialise, obviously still one of the biggest companies in this space. And other companies that he has helped co-found, you can see so many little, um y- you can see... The things that he's done stretch out into other areas of the industry now. So companies that he's founded that have then been acquired by other companies now, which are massive companies in the industry. So you've got Layerwise, uh, Metris, um, and then it, he's authored over 770 scientific papers, which is Ooh. just Ooh. how on earth do you do? You, do you have time, really? <laughs> I don't
1: know. I don't. <laughs> All the knowledge.
0: <laughs> it was really. It was really great to get to to get to sit with with him and, and just, just hear a bit more about his story. And I appreciate the fact that um, his thank you speech wasn't just a thank you speech. It was like, here's the journey of how we got here and his how every single person contributed to this journey, which, um you know, that's uh, that's a really nice thing to, to acknowledge, you know, especially when like, that is your moment to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And even just speaking to him beforehand, what I thought was cool that he'd noticed was that in our current Hall of Fame members, you know, even he'd spotted how how many links there were between people he's worked with throughout his career and people that are now in that hall of fame and how there's been you know collaborations between their work and things that they've they've invented and really really cool to see so um i was very lucky to be to be sat on that table um i think that's about it guys i still think we're going to get time to say anything else unless anyone's got anything major they want to say
1: just that the the guy from four months is obviously not aware or familiar with our judges because he wants Gave a hardware award to like an extruder, was it, or a nozzle? We did, actually, so yeah. They, they do quite like to...
0: Like to mix it up. <laughs> it's very true. And... It is a very fair judging process, just to put oh, it. that it It's is. incredibly yeah. fair. Um, and thank you to all of our, our judges as well, our advisory board, in fact, for, for a lot of things for this week, because we've relied on our advisors for things like the um, the very first user um, group this week for, you know, th- things like helping us out with um, our moderating on stages, join us on panel sessions, mm-hmm. sharing their expertise, presenting, um, helping with the judging for the for the awards and. Um, I want people to be aware of how much we do work with our advisors and and, and how much effort they actually put in every single year for us, so thanks, everyone. Um, I'm tired and we've got two minutes to go before the show closes, so I think we should go get more cans of Coke so we can wake up before we drive home and um, go to bed.
1: It's funny because there was another journalist in this industry who was um, raiding the the free bar at the exhibit party last night for the train ride home. And people not you can something.
0: But we know. Who it. Is. You
1: know who it is. Yeah, you've got to work it out. <laughs> he's, um, any, any bottles that had a cap on would go straight in his bag
0: for oh, the I <laughs>
1: okay. Encour- Encouraged by TTT staff.
0: I mean, so. Oh, okay, cool. That's As long yeah, as it was encouraged, yeah, number, that's okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: We were facilitating.
0: I mean, journalists are always accused of the fact that they go anywhere where it was a free meal or a free snack. So oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah living up to it i guess mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> thank you very much for listening if you've been with us at tc Two Three Six this week or the awards or the user group and um, we really appreciate you joining us um and we hope to we'll see you again next year too And um, please do like give us your feedback on, on on how the week's been for you let us know like, how we can improve things the things you've enjoyed the most and um, how we might be able to you know um create a bigger user um group event for next year Anything like that, please feel free to, to drop us an email. All our contact details are on the contact us page at tcmagazine.com. Um, there'll be tons of news going out about the event over the next few weeks, so keep an eye on our website. Um, but if you do want more additive insight between now and then, you can get our newsletter by subscribing at tcmagazine.com, get the biggest 3D printing news stories of the Wheat delivered straight to your inbox. Also, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts um, and make sure you get your print subscription to the magazine as well over on the MAG website. So thanks very much and we'll see you again next time. Bye.